From down under to down south, follow the adventures of an Australian family who packed up and moved to the other side of the world to follow a dream of making a life in Nashville, Tennessee. I'm your host, Ozzy Mike, and together with Bicky, Bowie, and Bree Bree, we will share our daily craziness in an attempt to warn you or inspire you to make this transcontinental move. It's a big day, and welcome to another episode of Down Under to Down South. Ozzy Mike jumping in the chair, and today, we're going to take you driving. That's right, get your kicks on Route 66 as we explore what it's like to own a car, what it's like to drive around, going from left to right to right to left, the price of gas over here, all that and more, so stick around. Over the last few weeks, I've taken a part-time gig in driving for Uber and actually picking up passengers from the airport, taking them down to downtown Nashville and really just playing tour guide. It's actually been a lot of fun, but it's given me some really interesting stories to hear from other passengers and just to see what people are like really on the road. One of the things I can tell you about, especially about Nashville, is that nobody likes to use their indicator. Nobody knows what it's like to drive through a roundabout. I think drivers here are also very challenged when it comes to entering and exiting interstates, especially when you're going onto an interstate that's at 70 miles an hour and they're actually coming on there at 30 miles an hour. So yeah, we got, we got some teaching to do over there. Of course, one of the big differences between Australia and the US is the fact that in America, we drive on the left-hand side of the car and then we also drive on the right-hand side of the road. So things are, are back to front as far as that's concerned. Now, the first time that I drove in the US, I actually picked up a rental car from Newark Airport up in New Jersey and drove from Newark down to DC and thinking that I was doing okay, you know, I'm sitting there in the left-hand lane of this six-lane interstate. All of a sudden, all these cars are behind me and they're honking their horns and and they're getting a little bit aggro. People are sticking their fingers up at me. Realized that I was actually sitting in the fast lane because the fast lane in America is the opposite to the fast lane in Australia. Thinking that I was in the slow lane, no, I wasn't. So anyway, make my way across over into the very right lane, which is the slow lane, and sat behind a truck for the next hour or so until I got my bearings on, on what I was doing on being on the opposite side of the car. A few hours later, I actually get to D.C. after driving through peak hour traffic on the outskirts of Baltimore, which was really fun. But uh, we get to DuPont Circle in Washington, D.C., and of course, DuPont Circle is a big roundabout. Now, roundabouts in America, you have to go the opposite direction, so you're actually going to go anti-clockwise as opposed to clockwise. So that was another thing that you really have to try and get your head around to start with because the bigger challenge I found was going back to Australia last year. I picked up a rental car at Sydney Airport and sat there for a second thinking, hang on a minute, now I'm on the other side of the road, on the other side of the car. And, and you know, your mind kind of plays tricks with you. So you know, when you're going from back to front to back to front again, it, uh, it does play a little bit with you. Take your time. You'll be fine. Legally, you are permitted to drive in the US on your Australian driver's license or international license for up to 30 days after 30 days. And particularly if you're living here, you're then meant to go and get an American driver's license. So in Tennessee, that meant going and sitting both a written test and then conducting a driving test. Now, the written test to start with, the trickier thing I found with that, it was on a computer and it was all multiple choice. But you had to convert, in my mind, I had to convert from feet to meters or meters to feet because a lot of the questions, like for example, when you're coming up to an intersection, how many feet before the intersection do you need to put your indicator on? After passing the written test, then you need to go and do a driving test. Now, my driving test instructor, she was more interested in learning about Australia and what it was like for there and why I had come to the to Tennessee than what she was and, and how I was driving. So basically what we did, we got in the car, we did a big circle around the town, we went through some stop signs, we went through some uh, red lights to make sure that I knew how to stop and knew how to indicate. Didn't even go on the interstate, get back to the DMV, bang, we're done. DMV, by the way, horrible place to wait. In fact, I think I waited on that day about five hours at the DMV. So a good tip on that one would be don't go to the DMV on a Monday or a Friday. Don't go the day of uh, or the day after a holiday or a school is out because it is packed and there's not a lot to do at the DMV. 
Whilst they do have provisional licenses here in the US, you're not, you don't have to carry um, L plates or P plates, so there's nothing like that. I have seen some vehicles that have, say, stickers on the back of them that might say learner drivers, but there's nothing else that would really indicate that they are a learner driver, which is a little bit of a shame because you know, you'll be driving along and you're thinking, why is this person going like 30 miles an hour underneath the speed limit? Now, talking about speed limits, when you're driving on the interstate, for the most part, it's 70 miles an hour. 70 miles an hour is around about 120 kilometers an hour. And then typically, most cars are driving between 80 to 90. Now, 90 miles an hour, that's about 140 kilometers an hour. Get used to driving a little bit faster than what you do back home. Um, the the other thing that's a big difference is that there are not many fixed speed cameras. In fact, here in Tennessee, I don't believe I've ever seen one. Police from time to time, you'll see the state troopers or metro police or the sheriff's department will be out there with radar guns. Um, but as far as fixed speed cameras go, in comparison to Australia, certainly in Tennessee and, and everywhere that I ban, there's, there's nothing. The occasional red light camera that you might find. Random breath testing is another interesting one because the police here in Tennessee are meant to advertise where they're going to be, where they're going to set up that random breath testing station. So you would know in advance where they're going to be, which potentially leads to a, a much higher incident of drink driving, certainly as far as accidents are concerned and deaths on the road. I know there's a sign on the interstate just down the road from here that tells me how how many people have been killed on Tennessee roads currently this year, year after year after year. Obviously, the population is increasing, but there's more and more people that are being killed. So whether that's an impact as far as the higher speeds, uh, the more incidences of drink driving or drug driving as well, that could be another thing too. Looking at the police, I did have one incident where I was coming home from work late at night, 8 o'clock at night, got off the interstate. So, you know, driving relatively fast for 45 minutes or so wasn't really thinking I was tired and in a 30 35 mile an hour zone I think I was sitting on about 45 blue lights bang police pull me over um, you know I was polite I just took my punishment and, and that was it I think I had a $150 fine maybe lost some points off my license the next day I get to work and everybody at work is like oh no you no, you, you should have argued you should have said that you know you were late at work you were rushing home to get your baby you would have gotten out of it so I'd, I'd be interesting to hear actually from other people in the states have you managed to successfully uh, body your way out of a speeding ticket or, or other sort of police fine I mean look to me I, it was, I was speeding I was doing the wrong thing pay the fine away on, on you go from there Gas stations or petrol stations, service stations, etc., and paying at the pump. Now, one of the things I love about getting gas in America is the fact that you will pull up to the, to the gas pump, get your credit card out, swipe it in the machine, and bang, you can then go and fill up, and then you just get charged, and away you go. There's no need to actually go inside the gas station. There's no need to go and talk to an attendant or, or anything. It's, it's a fantastic way, and it's something that I don't understand why we don't do this in Australia, because you look at the amount of times that they have issues with people getting uh, petrol in Australia, and then they drive off without paying. Well, that doesn't really happen in America, because you pay before you get it, but you pay there at the pump. So it's an interesting one. Now, if you don't have a credit card, you can go inside and you know give them $20 or give them $50, and then you go back out and then you pump the $20 or your $50, which is similar to what you do at back home. Looking at the price of gas, so we pay in US gallons as opposed to liters, and the price down the road right now is around $2.99 a gallon. Uh, what have we got? 3.78 liters to a gallon. Looking at the exchange rate, that works out to be about $1.93 Australian. I just worked it out in my head, so congratulate me. Yes, I am a former banker. Um, so yeah, paying at the pump, and then the price of gas. Now, the price of gas is pretty much doubled in the five years that we have come here. And I believe it's probably done the same thing back in Australia. The US were building towards energy self-sufficiency and not to get too political, but that was one of Trump's big things that he was trying to bring in as far as the oil fields are concerned in the US. And then they moved away from that. So it's probably a story for another time. 
Now, gas stations, interesting thing that you can buy in gas stations is alcohol. And typically, if I'm going to go and buy a six-pack or a case of beer, I'll just go down to the local gas station. I'll go and buy it down there. You're looking at around $10 for a six-pack of Corona. Um, my gas station has a really good selection of Mexican and American beers. They also sell, sell things like um, White Claw, which is that kind of that beer-made lolly water, I guess is what I call it. I'm assuming they do the same thing back home. But cigarettes is the other thing at gas stations too. So the price of a packet of cigarettes here, you're looking at between 4 to $6 for one packet, like a packet of Marlboros, for example. And quite often, and you'll see that they're on special. So you might get, say, two for one or three for one as far as cigarettes are concerned. So you might be able to buy, say, three packets of cigarettes for $6. Compare that to a packet back home, which I believe are now $50 or $55 a packet. You can see it's a lot cheaper to, first of all, get drunk and then also to damage your lungs in the U.S. You can also buy what's called Delta 8 or Delta 8 THC, which is basically a mild form of cannabis at gas stations in the States. And you can buy that in the form of gummies or vapes or um, I believe they also sell joints in there as well. Marijuana isn't legal in Tennessee. Recreational and medical use is also prohibited. Previous attempts to legalize cannabis in this state have been shot down by opponents. And I guess given that we are a conservative state, that's probably the big reason why. You can legally use high CBD, low THC oil and Tennessee does have harsh penalties for marijuana concentrates and paraphernalia. Uh, you may avoid jail time if it's your first offense, but you can be punishable for up to six years in prison. However, Delta 8 THC, which is about 50% as potent as Delta 9, is legal, and that's what you can go and buy in gas stations. Road rage on the interstates in particular is certainly something that you need to be very careful of when you consider that a lot of people, particularly in the South, are also carrying weapons. Now, I had some passengers in my vehicle that I took back to the airport that were visiting from Toronto in Canada, and they were telling me a story of a couple of nights previously where they were out with another Uber driver driving on the interstate, and that driver and another driver in another vehicle got involved in a bit of a road rage accident, and the driver of the other vehicle pulled out a handgun and started shooting at them. Luckily for them, they weren't hit, called the police you know they're going to try and track down that person but that is a real life issue and it's something that happens quite often here we've had cases of gang members being initiated by standing on the sides of the road and just shooting random people in fact there was a story that happened uh, during covid where a nurse was on her way to vanderbilt hospital to go and work at the height of covid when nurses were in desperate need and gang members randomly shot and killed her as she was driving on her way to work I feel like in the south, every second or third vehicle that you see on the road is a pickup truck or, or a truck, as we call them. You know, back home we call them utes. Here it's a pickup truck or a truck. Um, you know, up until recently, I was driving a Ford F one fifty, and you can pick them up for you know twenty to thirty thousand. My understanding is they're going for over a hundred thousand back home. But yeah, relatively cheap here. Ford uh, manufacturing is all done in the U.S. and just in the proximity of Nashville, we have Hyundai, we have Nissan, we've got Chevrolet, a whole range of different plants that are here. So there is a lot of automotive manufacturing. Manufacturing. In fact, Tennessee being a low or no tax state is the reason why a lot of that manufacturing was moved from Detroit down to here. And a big part of the reason why Nashville has seen such a large population explosion. A couple of nights before we left Australia to move to the US, I had a rental car and I drove from Canberra about five hours west out to Griffith in central New South Wales and hit a kangaroo out in the middle of nowhere. Made a big amount of damage to the front of the car and luckily I could swap that one over. Here in Nashville, there's a few other things. Obviously, we don't have kangaroos here. We have other things we have to look after. Bowie, tell me some of the things that you like seeing on the side of the road. I like seeing deers because they're really cute and family deers and turkeys and we always have to watch out for skunks because we always run over them. We do, and those skunks, they stink, don't they? Yeah. 
driving in the snow is another American experience, and particularly in Nashville, where we aren't really geared up for heavy snowfall. We've had, in the last few years, it seems that the snow seems to be increasing, typically ice storms and then snow on top of that, which makes it very, very treacherous as far as driving is concerned. Now, up north, if it snows, they really don't have any issues. They have the infrastructure up there to be able to handle it as far as snow plows, salt trucks are concerned. But in Nashville, we have to get everything coming down from the north to be able to help us out. So when it does snow here, the city tends to just close down. I mean, I've had three days off work, one week, two days off work. There was just too much snow and it was too dangerous for staff to be able to get out, get onto the roads and get to work. Now, Bicky, driving in America was a little bit of a challenge for you at first. Tell me about some of your experiences. The first thing was learning to drive on the opposite side of the road, which gave me a lot of anxiety. Once we found a car that I felt 100% comfortable in, it really helped. I had a lot of anxiety driving on the interstate here before. Um, it's very fast and people are really pushy, I find. But I mean, that's that happens everywhere. But yeah, but now we have a car with all the safety features, the blind spot indicators, and I feel really comfortable and confident driving in that now. And you've had some incidences with the police as well. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> so the first incidence I had was about a year after we moved here. Um, I was feeling very homesick. I'd had a hard day with the kids and I was driving along and I was actually crying as I was driving. <laughs> releasing some of that built-up stress and um, the emotions, all the feels. And I had, I was speeding. I didn't realize I was speeding and the police stopped me and I was upset and um, I'm like, I'm so sorry. And they're like, what's wrong? And I'm like, oh, we just moved here from Australia and I'm really homesick. Ah!" And he let me off. He said, well, just be more careful in the future. He was really empathetic. He said, I'm really sorry that you're having a hard day. I won't give you a fine this time, but just be careful in the future. And I'm like, okay, thank you. So that was... um And I find the Mount Juliet police here are so lovely and so caring. Every time I've had an interaction with them, um, really commend the Mount Juliet police force here. My other experience was when I ran a stop sign, I like (laughs) slowed down and gave way. There wasn't any traffic coming, so I went through it. I did the wrong thing and I also got stopped by a Mount Juliet police officer who fine to me that time so (laughs) the other thing would be with uh, kids car seats where is it that you go to go and get those put in the police actually or the fire brigade will check your car seats there is no kids safe here like we have back in Canberra or other places in Australia but the police do it where I'm part of a mum's club here and they would organize events where the police would come and check your car seats for you and install them and like I said again all the police officers that I've had contact with here are so helpful and so friendly. That just about wraps it up for another episode of Down Under the Down South. Bicky, thanks for joining me at the end there. Thank you. All right, y'all, you stay safe and we'll catch you next time on Down Under to Down South.